You're now listening to the Live Different Podcast with Matt Wilson. This episode of the Live Different Podcast is sponsored by our travel company, Four Young People Under 30 Experiences. I get so excited when I talk about under 30 that usually when I try to record a commercial, I fuck it up. But hopefully this time it goes a little bit better or we're just going to roll with the outtakes. I just got back from Kilkenny, Ireland. It was absolutely amazing. We went hiking. We went into pubs. We went and experienced true Irish culture. Before that, I was in Peru and Machu Picchu, and we had an absolute blast. This winter, we're going to Tulum, Mexico. We're going to Costa Rica, to Nicaragua, to Belize to go snorkeling. In April, we'll be in Rio and Brazil. In May, we're going to experience 24 hours of daylight back in Iceland. So come check us out, under30experiences.com. Connect with other awesome young people who want to do more than just sit behind their desks. Check us out. Hello, everybody. It's Matt Wilson with the Live Different podcast. And today we are joined by our special guest, Liz Presson. And Liz is the founder of two really interesting things. One is Pursuit, a consultancy that helps tech companies become more human and also a community called Working Remotely. It's workingremote.ly. And she has worked with a ton of different uh, venture-backed tech companies like Skillshare and Muse. Uh, She turned down a job at Uber and has worked with people who I know, like Ryan Alice and and Amber Ray, who are big movers and shakers. Her work has been on Yahoo, Inc., Mashable, etc., but uh, forget all the fancy stuff. Liz, what's going on with you? Hey, Matt. Thanks for having me. Excited. You're, you're very welcome. We're happy to, to have you. It's been a while. Like we were kind of talking off, off camera. We met in, let's see, I think it was December of 2013. It and was. you were sitting at the bar at Mango Rosa uh, in San Juan del Sur, Nicaragua. And yes. you were coming on an under 30 experiences trip, and uh, you were also, I think that very same day, launching your community working remotely. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. So that was my first time in Nicaragua. Um, since then, it's become one of my favorite places in the world. But while we were on that under 30 trip, I launched working remotely. And uh, it was a pretty incredible experience to be doing both of those things at once. That is that is pretty cool. And so... You know, I think from that experience alone that we could create a lot of value today in the podcast and help people who have been following Under 30 CEO for a long time and want to take the leap and do all of the kind of the fluffy stuff like, sure, follow your dreams and live that four-hour work week and work remotely and have to convince your boss of that or take on freelance work or whatever it is that people want to do. Um, I'd love to kind of pick your brain on how we can sort through all of that stuff and dispel some of the, uh, the fluffy crap that you hear. I don't know how else to put it other than the bullshit that you hear that comes along with that stuff. How does that sound to you? Yeah, that sounds great. I mean, one of my biggest things, uh, a lot of people approach me and, and ask, you know, how do I quit my job or what did, what did you do to quit your job? And we hear a lot about following our passions and, um, that's went wrong for me in the past. So the last time that I did it, I took a way different approach. 
Oh, okay, yeah. Could you could you help us dispel that one right now? How following your passion can really go wrong. Yes, you want to do something that you enjoy every day, uh, mm-hmm. but will you will you cut through that fluff for us? Yeah, definitely. So um, I was living in Washington D.C. working at a startup, and I liked it enough. I was making good money. Um, things were going well, but I had an opportunity to move to New York and. Uh, start a division of iContact, which was uh, email marketing software owned by Ryan Alice. And I was, had the opportunity to do that with my great friend, Amber Ray. So I packed up my stuff and I moved to New York and, um, you know, we did that for a few months and, uh, the company sold. It was a great experience. And in those three months, I got to know Amber and Ryan really well. And they're two people who are intensely passionate about everything that they do. And so coming out of that experience, I thought, I can, never, I can never have a job again that I'm not intensely passionate about. And so, you know, I, I started having conversations with people about what my next job would be. And I, was, I didn't necessarily know what my passion was. I just knew I wanted to do something I was passionate about. So in kind of a scramble to do something, and I'm doing air quotes, that I was passionate about... Um, I made this interesting decision. You know, I had, I talk about this a lot. I was sitting at Saturday's Surf in New York City talking to Ryan Graves, who is an awesome person who had had just started this company called Uber. And he was telling me all about it. And I could tell, again, just like Amber and Ryan, this was his, this is what he was passionate about, intensely passionate about building this company. And, uh, it, it just, I just was like, you know, this, this sounds cool, but it's, it's not really for me. Um, and it was a community position, which I'm sure we'll end up talking more about, but I'm a community person. Um, but still, I, I was like, this isn't, I'm passionate about music, I decided at the time. And so I, I took a, a job that I really couldn't afford to take. It, you know, it just didn't fit the, the rent, uh, the other bills, the student loans that most of us have. Um, and so it, it kind of led to me being in a situation where I was getting to work at like 5 a.m. so I could put some frozen burritos in my bag so I could have food to eat. Um, and in that experience, I realized that if you can't pay your bills and if you can't support yourself, the idea of being intensely passionate kind of goes away because you're focused on survival. And so that's kind of the, the first story that I point to where following my passion didn't necessarily go as planned. Okay, so this is, this is really cool. This is a great example. And I wanted to mention uh, also we were talking before about how interconnected the world is. That's, that's crazy. Um, a, I used to go to Saturday Surf all the time, which is probably <laughs> favorite, no, sur- one of my yeah, no surprise to anybody who knows me, but it was, <laughs> I don't know, four or five blocks uh, from my apartment in New York, the one in Soho. Rather, yeah. I'm not sure. I've never been. There's one in the East Village, too, I think, or in the West Village. I, I can't remember. I've never been. But uh, And they have stores in Japan also. But moving on from there, it's so funny because you're talking about someone like Ryan Alice who I followed his career since 2004 through the Collegiate Entrepreneurs Organization. Mm-hmm. And he ended up you know, putting his notes to the grindstone all through college, all through his 20s, and ended up selling his company for hundreds of millions of dollars. And you're saying mm-hmm. that, and also Amber, I actually have a funny story about Ryan and, and Amber, but I don't want everybody to miss the point here. Uh, the cool thing about this, or the interesting that thing that you say is, 
that Ryan, someone who, again who sold company, a company for hundreds of millions of dollars, is insanely passionate about what he does, yet it's at the end of the day, if, for anybody who doesn't know his company, Constant Contact, he's one of like the top five email marketing service providers in the world, I, I would assume. How can someone be that passionate about email marketing software? Like this is not a sexy thing like right. music. Like those are things, you know, when people like, like have a travel business, right? I can actually claim that I'm, you know, that I'm passionate about travel. It seems to me that these people are trying to change the world in some way, and that's what they're passionate about. Can you, can you help me dissect that a little bit? Yeah. So what I think, and I think this is a great point because I think early on I was young and I think, well, not that Ryan wasn't young either because he started the company when he was like 16 or 17, but I think that this is where I got it wrong. I said, my passion is music and I need to do something with music. I didn't say my passion is music and I want to find an aspect of my work that can be about music. Um, and the same thing I said about community earlier, I, I you know, I, I was passionate about community building, but I said, I don't want to build a company that's about cars. And so the, I think that the point that you're getting at here is, you know, Ryan is passionate about building highly engaged teams of people who love what they're doing. And so if you know anything about, you know, the office that Ryan created for the people at Eye Contact, it had a slide in it, like a slide that went from one story to the, you know, the floor below it. And he made sure that people were happy and he was there and engaged with people on a daily basis. He knew people's names even as the company grew. And so it wasn't that he was intensely, maybe he was intensely passionate about email. I won't make any claims on that. But um, what he really cared about was the happiness and the engagement of his employees. And that's what really lit him up. And so it was an aspect of building that company that he could focus on. And I think that that's what I've learned over time is finding that one thing that makes you tick about what you're doing and focusing on that. Okay, that makes a, that makes a lot of sense. And as you can attest to, there's a danger in saying, Uber, meh, not that passionate about taxis. I don't want to do it. I'd rather go after music. Well, you probably could have taken your skill set and applied that towards Uber and been able to build a community and do the things that you're passionate about uh, for, for this high growth company and potentially had equity and a nice salary and all of that <laughs> and, you know, and cashed out on this thing. But yeah, so there's uh, an obvious danger in saying, ah, I'd much rather go after the music. But what it sounds like you're saying is dissecting or is finding that skill set and how you can apply your work to something that you enjoy and something that represents your values more. Does, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And you can get to know what your values are in your skill set. You get to know those two things best in an environment where you're able to take care of yourself. I think that that's really important because so many people hear this great advice about following your passion. The part we leave out is that we still have to, we still have to take care of ourselves. That part doesn't, well, well, when you find something you're passionate about and good at, it is true that money typically follows because you're awesome at what you're doing and you're putting in a lot of, you know, a lot of sweat equity, but that part takes work too. 
and you can't just let it slide. So I think that that's all of that kind of comes together um, in a way that might be unexpected because we talk a lot about following passion. We don't necessarily talk about the other pieces that come along with it. Okay, I'm, I'm really happy that you went the direction of taking care of yourself. And if anybody is familiar with this whole work-life balance or the fallacy of work-life balance, you've probably read The 4-Hour Workweek and you've probably heard of Pareto's Law and the 80-20 Rule. And I have a, a podcast with Jamie Tardy from the Eventual Millionaire podcast where we talk about... Pareto's Law and the 80-20 rule and how all of that stuff works. But yesterday, I just heard a theory, which I'll try to link up on the show notes in on under30co.com, that almost 80% of your time should be spent taking care of yourself so that, 20%, so that your 20% that you have free can go to absolutely doing the best Work now. I think that eighty twenty. I think that might be crazy. You know, for me, who <laughs> I take insane care of myself, right? The best that I possibly can. It's probably fifty fifty. And but what do you what do you think about that rule? Because you just said you need to take care of yourself. Whether that means taking care of your, you know, that can be taking care of your employees and putting a slide and making everybody happy, or doing the things that you need to do every day in order to make yourself happy. Could you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, 80-20 seems insane to me too. I think 50-50 sounds about right. But in our society, I think that setting up in your mind 80-20 will get you to 50-50. Does that <laughs> yeah. make sense? Yeah, no, I like that. You you aim, you shoot for the stars, and you're going to get interrupted by your by life, by your text messages, by yep. your inbox. And yeah, that's all going to bring you down to probably more like 50-50. Yeah. But I, I love that because I think that that's what, we, you know, I, I always struggle. This is something I continuously struggle with, but I think I'm getting better at all the time. I have work guilt. Um, and you know, when I first started working remotely, this was an insane problem for me. I felt so like guilty for working either from home or from a coffee shop or from an excellent co-working space. When I was thinking about, you know, when I first started working remotely, I had a full-time job at a corporation. So I was just thinking like, I, f I feel like I'm not um, being put through the ringer as much as my colleagues. And so I think that when we start to, especially when we start to have a better work, I don't really believe in work-life balance, but when we start to take care of ourselves more, or when we start to have more of a freedom against what society calls work, we might start to feel guilty. And I know a lot of people who experience that. And so I think that, especially if you're living differently, um, that guilt can creep in and cause you to decrease how much you're taking care of yourself. Um, because there's a big difference between, you know, we all are with our computers most of the time. And there's not that physical door that we're walking through that says, I'm here, I'm not here, at least for mo for a lot of us. I don't want to say most of us. For a lot of us, that's definitely changed. Sure. I, I like your theory about work guilt. And maybe subconsciously I have this going on, or maybe in the past that I, I used to have this going on. I never had really considered it. But the type of work guilt that I get is oh my God, I've been hiking in the rainforest for half of the day and now I need to actually tend to work. And mm -hmm. 
there are so many people in my inbox who need answers for me or, or, I, or I fantasize or I build this up that, oh, you know, you're so important. You have so many things in your inbox. What are you doing messing around out here looking at monkeys in the rainforest? You should be in your inbox and you should be uh, getting back to the people who are relying on, relying on you. Or I have work guilt where... Jared, my co-founder, is oftentimes behind the computer or back in the States. And that's, you know, that's an agreement that we have and just differences in, in lifestyle because he's always invited to, uh, to come on whatever we're doing. Um, but I have that work guilt where it's like, oh, I really need to get back to my computer. Not so much that everybody else is putting, you know, is putting their nose to the grindstone because I'm okay with taking that 20% of the time that I do work and absolutely crushing it through systems and Mm -hmm. working really hard and having the greatest possible brain capacity. Uh, But normally it's just guilt in general because what, uh, it's normally just guilt in general because I'm trying to feel good or feel accomplished because I did work today. Do you you run into clients who, who struggle with that, uh, I'm, I'm sure that you do. Yeah, definitely. I, I, like I said, I think that this comes up when we're doing things that go against the societal norm of what work is supposed to look like. Um, and we also, like you said, we want to, we, we want to think we're so needed that if we're stepping away from our computer screen, that people are just going to be dying for us to come back. And it's so funny because once you force yourself to step out of that, you realize that um, that's not always the case. And if it is, it's not, it's nothing that's life or death. (laughs) If it were, they would find a way to get in touch with you. And so uh, that's something that I think you can tell people as much as you want, but it takes your own experiences to kind of get there. Um, my, my core value is freedom. That's why I I started a consultancy. That's why I started working remotely. Um, and, I still, you know, I was struggling with, I was struggling with it like crazy. And I have to remind myself every day that freedom to me means living a life outside of the societal norms of what, of what work and life in general look like. Okay. Here's some guilt that I get, and then we can go into some more actionable stuff and as to how people can gain more freedom and how people can uh, overcome these things. But I get work guilt because I am free and oftentimes that feels very self-serving to me even though I'm doing my best to make the world a better place and everybody who I come in contact with I try to leave a positive impact on and just in general not be a be a jerk and or or talk down to people who might uh, not have freedom or you know anything like that I just I'm trying to go about my business as, as gracefully as possible. I guess I don't know if that was the right word, but I feel bad because not everybody has this freedom and it feels very self-serving. While in reality, I know, okay, it's not, that self, it's not self-serving because I am doing something positive here and this freedom allows me to focus on that. Uh, but how... But yeah, do you have any advice for me here or, or for people who just might feel that, oh, life isn't all about being free. Sometimes you got to do shit that you don't want to do. Yeah. Well, I mean, a couple of things. Um, I, you know, I've kind of, and just by meeting people and kind of 
building a, a community of, of freelancers around my business instead of hiring full-time employees and things like that. We all have, it, it's kind of hard to remember this because we're going through a shift. Everybody, whether they realize it or not, has the opportunity to be free. Um, and we all have different definitions of freedom. So I think that that's a really important thing to note. Um, and also, yeah, Matt, you're totally free. But then, you know, I remember um, in Nicaragua, you know, you you might be doing things at different hours than different people. But, you know, I, I remember being there and you were writing an under 30 email about the next trip while while most of us were like tossing beanbags and drinking. <laughs> so, exactly. you know, it works both ways. It's just a, it's just a different life. It's living differently. So I think that that's an important thing to note is that, you know, do, doing things your own way. Um, yeah, it, it sparks some guilt, but you, you could probably be working when a lot of other people aren't, too. Absolutely. And at the end of the day, let's be serious, I don't feel that guilty about it. I'm, <laughs> do, I'm really enjoying myself, and yeah. by me enjoying myself, uh, the people around me usually enjoy themselves, right? Totally. And so that's, that's the whole point. Okay, for anybody who's saying, all right, these guys are cool, I want to do that, whatever, they hang out in Nicaragua, blah, 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 <laughs> but I'm... I'm a cu- I'm chained to my cubicle right now. What can they do? What are the first few steps to start trying to get this freedom? So um, I'm probably going to get really tactical here because, I mean, I, this is what I, I did. Um, so I went from, I, I told the record company story. I worked there for a while. I eventually ended up getting a job at a really cool company that I loved. I was working remotely for a while. Um, and through doing an awesome job doing that, I got promoted to be a director of marketing. Um, and I was super pumped about it. But um, it, was, it was your typical office job, office environment, corporation. It took me less than three weeks to realize that uh, this wasn't resonating with who I was personally. Um, and that didn't mean that I walked into my boss's office and said, this isn't resonating with me. This isn't what I'm passionate about right now. I quit. I had already learned my lesson in that. So I, I started creating a plan. I started, so the first thing I did was, um, I decided that I needed to save a bit of money. And so I always tell people save three to six months, uh, worth of living expenses and that's, that for me, it worked well because I knew that that would give me a kick in the ass. Like you don't have forever here. If you quit your job, this is what you've got. You've got to figure it out in this amount of time. But also I wasn't going to be stealing burritos out of anyone's freezer for three to six months. Um, and then for me, I was starting a consultancy. So I started bringing in, I, I started getting side clients. I, you know, I, I started freelancing on the side in addition to my job until I was bringing in enough revenue and had enough business where I felt comfortable enough to quit my job. Um, and then the third thing was, is I put together a really intricate proposal of how I could turn my full-time job into one of the first clients of my consultancy. Um, and they're still a client today. So those are the three things that I would focus on. Planning, um, so you're making sure you're not stealing frozen burritos. Uh, Making sure that you're getting, like, do you have a, if you're going to be building a business, do you have a viable idea or do you have other income streams lined up? And having a a plan of how maybe you can turn some of the things you're currently doing into what you want to be doing. 
I love it. These are, are three really important tactics. And guess what? In those three to six months while you're, while you're really working your way towards freedom, that's going to mean staying up really, really late. Or that's going to mean maybe not a lot of sleep. Or that's going to that's gonna mean maybe not seeing your friends for a little while. Mm -hmm. uh, but you got to sit, you know, you have to start minimizing expenses. You have to start creating a plan. You might have to actually start hanging out with different people because the people around you are all satisfied in their little bubble, in their little comfort zone where they get a paycheck every two weeks and they show up like a zombie and they do the same old thing, which I'm sure a lot of people who are listening can, can relate to. So, but yeah, I'm just, I'm really happy that you were able to share three three really tactical things, but setting people's expectations appropriately that this is not going to be easy. You know, three to six months might totally. be your goal, but it might take might take a couple of years. Um, what, what are some ways that people can accelerate that time that it takes? Because, you know, everybody talks about quitting their job and starting a business, but nobody ever really does it. Yeah, well, so people always, uh, people always said to me, weren't you so busy during that time that you couldn't, you couldn't do anything else. You couldn't breathe. And I was like, well, you know what? It actually forced me to create systems really early on. And I think that if I would have, um, if I would have understood the way that systems work before I started making this plan, I would have been, been able to accelerate things because it's just been such an eye opener. Like, you know, going back to, um, the guilt thing, I think that we think we need to do everything manually on our own. And I've just learned that that's not the way things need to happen. Um, there are beautiful systems that you can put in place to make your life and your work easier. And if you look at some of the people who are doing them well, and a lot of people write about this kind of stuff today, so the, there are tons of resources out there, it can be a great way to scale what you want to do or to scale your plan because you're going to be doing, you know, if you're risk, if you're a little more risk adverse like I am and you want to actually have a plan in place, you're going to be overloaded with stuff to do. Um, and so those systems will save you and they'll also make you a great entrepreneur and business owner when you do take the leap. Okay, perfect. So of course, I'm going to have to ask you, what are some of these systems? Because this is what we're working on with under 30 experiences. Right yeah. now, this is what I talked to, to Jamie Tardy about from that eventual millionaire podcast that I'll link up because, for example, I leave uh, for Peru for a month and then I fly directly from Lima to Madrid to Dublin to run our Ireland trip. And things need to happen if I'm going to be on four to six weeks straight with the groups. Things need to all happen. The podcast needs to be published. It needs to be put mm -hmm. on under 30 CEO. It needs to, you know, I need to have good canned responses uh, in my Gmail plugin to help write to people when this goes, when these go up or when people write to me wanting to get involved in the community. All of these things need to happen and they need to happen seamlessly and over and over and over again so that the business can scale. Uh, can you tell people how they can put systems into their business and their life? Yeah, definitely. So this is a big one for me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try not to take the rest of our time talking about this one. Um, 
I, the first, the best thing I've ever done for myself, and this is a, this isn't a system itself, but it's the start of a system is hired an assistant. Um, and I use virtual, which I really believe in that company and it's worked out really well for me. And so what I've done with my virtual assistant, and if you go through virtual, it's, it's not, it's not like hiring someone it's, it's cost effective. You don't have to have a full-time virtual assistant, but we've set up a number of triggers. So for instance, I just published a blog post. Um, Carol, my assistant will receive an email that I published a new blog post and that's her trigger to go in and set up a draft of social posts and the tool we use for me to check out and either, you know, edit a little bit or give a thumbs up on. And that's just an example of have probably 20 to 30 systems set up or triggers set up where when I do one thing that I need to do that actually has to be, you know, Liz Preston doing it, it triggers Carol to do something else. Um, you know, the same goes, I, I work with clients and we do a lot of community building and content strategy. So very similar there. When a task is complete for a client, it becomes a trigger for Carol to go in and update a content calendar or, um, you know, again, to set up something like social media posts. But basically, I, uh, I use the bullet method. So every week I, I plan my week day by day based on the big things I need to accomplish. And of course, there's gravel that comes up. And so I have a list that is titled gravel and I put stuff there and I try to make sure that I am not the person doing that gravel. It's either I try to, you know, put something in place to take care of it, have Carol take care of it or, um, delegate it to one of our freelancers. And a couple of things we use. So another thing we use to do that is Asana, um, is a really, really great tool because the one thing that I find I spend a lot of time in that I probably don't need to is my email. And so the whole, the whole value proposition behind Asana as a project management software is to eliminate email. So it's very rare that anyone on my team sends me an email. We're either video chatting, talking in person, or doing things in Asana. And that in and of itself is a system because it, it's totally cut down on my inbox. Um, Last thing that I'll, I'll definitely point to is Zapier. So, uh, for instance, I set up a Zap where uh, it's, a, it's a system of if-then statements. So I set up a system where it says, if I star an email in my pursuit Gmail, send this to Asana and create a task. And so instead of putting things in Asana for my team members to take care of, I can star an email Zapier automatically sends that information to Asana, and then I can go into Asana and, and assign that to someone. And it's those little things, like if you install Rescue Time or any kind of time tracker on your computer, you'll see that you're probably spending most of your time in admin and communication. And so th those are the things I always look to automate first. Okay, this is, th this is, these are excellent uh, strategies, you know, you gave us some some tactics, and and uh, but now you're breaking it down into okay. Here's the overarching strategy, and then here are the specific things. Um, and I noticed that you've used a lot of uh, you know a lot of words that probably come with the software, or you have your own methodology like triggers and the bullet method mm -hmm. and gravel, and you've you've um, <laughs> meant you've mentioned. Uh, 
at Zirtual, which is Marin Kate's company. That's really cool. I'm glad that you use her. I know I know Marin and Zapier. Those guys are cool. They came out of a startup weekend um, in Columbia, Missouri, and I was a, yep. I was a judge actually at Startup Weekend, not at theirs, but uh, we sat in a panel together and. Um, and asana also, I always pronounce it asana because that's how you say the same word in yoga. I, I wish know. that uh, I, I went as far as watching their videos because to see how they, because I'm a yoga person. So okay. I'm like, it should be asana. <laughs> it should definitely be asana. Uh, yeah, I'm with you on that. Okay. But uh, regardless, I, I hear you on that and I have a gripe with them now. But uh, how, you know, this goes back to, the Michael Gerber e-myth, how you can work on your business instead of in your mm-hmm. business. And this is the exact position that we are with under 30 experiences where we have six trips, literally six weeks in a row. And that is going to be really difficult for me to pull off across uh, three different continents and still be a fully functional human being after that. I mean, that is, it's a lot of travel. It's up and down from, from sea level to 11,000 feet going up to Machu Picchu three times and all this crazy stuff, right? So systems are obviously important. And for anybody who, who is listening, it, it doesn't matter. Um, how, what are some of the very first things that you can do? Or if somebody's not in a position to hire a virtual assistant, what can mm-hmm. you do that just says, okay, I'm going to install this uh, Asana plugin, or I'm going to create if statements with Zapier and make these systems work? What, where's the starting block here? Well, I guess, uh, I guess the starting block kind of, for me, comes before the tools. Because for me, I had, like, you have so, you have so much, so... I had so much to get accomplished and needed, for me, I needed a way to say no to things and I had to condition myself to be able to say no to things and also to, um, you know, we might not all have an assistant yet or have someone to delegate things to, but most of the time we work in an environment where we have a team and you can you can either ask people to jump in and help out or delegate to people. So I think before before even before the tools come into play, you have to think, what are the things that are my, like, what are my superpowers? What can nobody else do that I can do? You know, maybe in your case, it's sharing a trip for the first time or being on the trips is, is something that other people can't do or is, who knows what it is, but you have to decide what those superpowers are and then be able to figure out how to either delegate or get rid of the rest. And I think that's the very first step because if you can't do that, um, you're not going to be able to create systems that actually free up your time. Um, It's going to be a struggle. Yeah, absolutely. And this is why, for example, I'm the only one at the company who knows Machu Picchu right now and can go and has the flexibility to be able to go to South America for a month. Or I have to fly directly to Ireland because I'm the one who designed that trip and nobody Mm -hmm. else can figure it out yet. But we'll be training staff so that we can uh, alleviate some of this pressure and then be able to to have these amazing experiences for other people. Um, you mentioned what are my superpowers. So those are, you know, those are like my superpowers or or the things that are core competencies that nobody else can do. Um, so I, I absolutely love that. But 
the thing that people struggle with, why they never develop these superpowers or why they never figure out what the heck that they are or practice them uh, enough to get really super at them is because they don't know how to say, how to say no. And mm -hmm. a perfect example of a system that I created today was downloading the Gmail plugin or in Google Labs, there's a Gmail plugin for canned responses. And oh, that's a favorite. <laughs> yeah, when I get a, I get email intros and I really appreciate them from anybody who, who introduces me to someone, but people or people email me literally five times a week to ask, hey, I want to start a travel company. Can we have coffee? Well, you know, I just, I, and so what my, what my canned response now says, and I try to make it as nice and as helpful as possible. And even write a couple little things that aren't canned so that people know that I do care about them. But there's a canned response now that says, Hey, I'm, you know, I travel abroad with our travel company under 30 experiences for most of the year. And I'm trying to hyper-focus on spending time with my family. Um, here, you know, if you want to get involved in our community, here's the link to our local meetups. We'd love for you to come. All of our staff have uh, started as community managers. Here is, um, you know, all of our staff has started as community managers and at first travelers. So if you are serious, come spend five to seven days with us and really get involved in our community. Here's a link to be able to do that. Jared will even hop on the phone with you. So very systematized, lots of links included for everything. You know, just frequently asked questions. Well, yeah, I'm going to link to the FAQs and send those to you. Um, and that this is like a basic system that works for me and something that you will probably love is how to humanize these types of things because I think that's how we opened up. I think that was the core mission of your consultancy is mm -hmm. to help tech companies be more human. So how do yeah. we integrate these technologies that help us work faster, help us work more efficiently with the human element? That's a really great question. I mean, the thing that I think is like the key reminder that we all have to we all have to understand and remember is that the internet was uh, the internet's greatest superpower since we're talking about superpowers too is is connecting people, and I think that as people and as organizations because at Pursuit we look at it as uh, as an organizational perspective. We we forget that we think that technology is in place to kind of. Um, to, to stop having human interaction. And so I think that, you know, your, the under 30 experiences Facebook group is a great example of this. So instead of having people, you know, introducing people one-on-one -on -one in your community that need to know each other, you have an alumni group. I mean, that's an excellent example of scaling human communication virtually um, and using technology to get people connected in the right place. Uh, from an organizational perspective, you know, we make sure that the employees actually know where the customers are hanging out so they can talk to one another, um, whether that's in person or online. And so I think that finding ways to use technology to get more people together um, at once instead of on a one-on-one -on -one basis is usually what we're focused on. It's, it's really finding a way to connect, connect people um, as a community. Okay, so for example, I follow every single one of our alumni who have traveled with under 30 experiences on Instagram. And guess what? When I see their cool stuff, 
that they've posted, yeah, I'm going to like it. It doesn't matter if they're traveling with us or we're not. We know that our following, we know that our uh, customers or our community members, we don't even like to call them them customers, our friends hang out on Instagram. So yep. this has been a huge medium for us to be able to interact. Um, you know, we tried to do human elements, right? Like I've sent a handwritten thank you note, right? Maybe that's one yeah. of my super now, or, uh, superpowers, or it was a, a, a holiday card, rather. Um, sent a handwritten one to, uh, to every single person or um, just trying to get people this convergence of online and offline. Everybody kind of thinks, oh, everything's just going to be done online every, all the time. We're just going to be robots. But what people really care about, what people are really passionate about to use that word again is when they can actually have an interaction that is meaningful because in this age of all this clutter and tweets and a million pictures flying by our screen every day I know how fast everybody scrolls Instagram you know you're just gonna be inundated with this stuff so when you can have a meaningful relationship with someone offline that's that's the sweet spot to us yeah, and making an interaction more than once. So I think that this is really important. If we would have went to Nicaragua and I would have, we met, we talked, we had great conversations, we met great people. If it would have stopped at that point in time, that trip still would have been incredibly valuable. It, it opened my eyes to a different kind of culture. I met incredible people. Um, we talked shop and had some great conversations about uh, you know the, the possibilities of both of our businesses, all these things. But today, and I was just talking to you about this before before we went on air, there are people uh, not only from my trip, but who have had the same or similar experience um, with under 30 and in Nicaragua that I can connect with that expands, that continues to enlighten my world every day. And so it's this continuous interaction. It's not a single point in time. Um, I still... my roommate from our trip in Nicaragua has become a, one of my greatest friends. Um, I've hired people, um, you know, for my company because we've had a great connection based on the experiences we had, you know, just talking about the experiences we had on a trip. And so I think the important thing here is making sure that you're not, uh, if you're creating any kind of experience with your business um, or with an organization that you're running or a group, any kind of community, you have to make sure you're figuring out how to make that an ongoing experience and not a one-touch interaction. I think those are really, really wide words of advice. And I'm, I'm actually excited to, to send this podcast to our team so that we can all start thinking about these things more critically because we're doing it right. You know, we're trying to have people on you guys. I think we're doing it right anyway. We're trying you to are. have people. <laughs> Thank you, Liz. I appreciate that. But, you know, we're trying to have people on here who have amazing ideas and then, and then spread them to the world. And that is the multiple points of contact um, mm-hmm. for sure, for sure. So if someone is, again, is listening at home and they have a small business or, they are working on a startup or they just want to start their little, uh, let's use some fluffy words, passion project, you know, whether they're an artist or whether they're a musician or, you know, they're a CrossFit coach, who cares? Those people, how can they start to converge this online, offline world and care about the people who are around them rather than just putting up that Facebook post that you know is just 
purely out of promotion and that this mm -hmm. person does not care about the people who read it. They just want to promote themselves. How can people truly get uh, aligned with what they want to do? Well, I think, first of all, it's finding out who you can give value to. Think about whatever it is you do or you, you want to do. Find out how you can provide value in that world and who you can provide that value to. We already know there's so much, there's so much, uh, I want to say crap on the internet, but really there's just so much content that's crap in the world. You have to become, no matter who you are and what you want to do, you have to become like that 10x, or your content has to be 10 times better than anything that's out there. And so I think that the most important way to get started is, first of all, find out who you're talking to, find out how you can provide value to that audience, and then become the best at creating value. And forget about promoting yourself. Forget about promoting whatever you're doing. You know, it's just like, uh, I forget the name of the Gary Vee book, but um, it's like, you know, give, 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 and then ask. Um, and I would say, don't even ask, give, and, uh, you know, you'll, you'll meet the, the people that you need to and interact with the people that you need to, that will support your journey. Yeah. I think it's uh, jab, 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 yes. right hook is probably <laughs> the book. And we'll, we'll link this up on the, the show notes on under 30 co.com <laughs> that Liz, that makes perfect sense because if you are, if you want to be passionate about something and again just trying to rip apart this fluffy word that it should you know what you're going to get most joy out of what you're going to to what's going to satisfy you what you're going to find job satisfaction in is help helping support the people around you you're not you know nobody really cares if people like your facebook post that doesn't mean anything it doesn't matter how many friends you have or how popular you are, you know, or, or if you're passionate about, or if you've always dreamed about being a baseball player or a fireman or a CrossFit coach or whatever, right? It's do the people who read your work or buy your product or listen to your music or whatever it is, get, or interact with you just every day, how can they do they get something out of it? And then mm -hmm. if they do, then I, I think that's a much better path to fulfillment. I don't know about you, Liz. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're not going to get anywhere without a community of people supporting you. And the way you do that is by providing value. Um, and it's a, it's a give take. You have to be there to support other people too. That's what, that's what this great world of community and doing things that we're passionate about is really based on. None of us could do what we are passionate about without the people who support us. So it's the most important part of, of running any kind of business. Okay, excellent. So we're getting to about the 45-minute mark, and um, you know we can chat for a little while longer, but I really want to maybe go back to some of the systems that you talked about, the ones that you said you could probably talk about for the rest of the podcast and, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, talk about some of these things that you really, it sounds like you have them figured out where people can be more effective. They can perform at a higher level with the aid of technology or just, just a mindset, set, mindset shift as to where they spend their time. 
Yeah. You know, one of the things I was thinking about this, um, one of the things that's been awesome to put into place. So it's kind of two prong. Um, I, I mentioned that you can get caught spending a lot of time in communicating and in admin. And so, uh, I have a, a group of people that I work with and what I did is I wrote a Google doc, uh, a live Google doc that anyone can see. Um, and I'll, I'll, sh- I'll share the link with you so you can share it if you'd like to, but it's about synchronous and asynchronous communication and how, how, uh, it's a suggestion of how we might use it to best suit each other. Um, for instance, when we should send an email versus when we put something in a project management system or when we should send an IM and what that IM should say. And, um, and so I created this document and then I said, Hey guys, let's all like, this is a a document for all of us to shape together, but let's create a standard for the way. So of course I run a distributed team. Nobody's required to work anywhere. Um, that's, that's the pursuit in working remotely way. It's the only way that makes sense for us, but that means we need to have a, a set of guidelines of how we communicate with each other. And that, you know, it's, it's not a specific tool, um, but it's a, it's a standard of how we use the tools in which we communicate. And so I think that that was something that has really kind of changed the way that we work. That's really cool. And where can I link this up again in the, in the show notes also? Or is this something on your website? Because I'd like to, to take a look at that myself. Totally. It's a blog post. Um, it's on working remotely and it's on the pursuit blog. I'll, I'll definitely send the link so you can share it. Um, and it, it was actually a suggestion. It's got some great content in there too, from, uh, what companies like automatic, I mean, automatic is getting to be a huge company and they're fully distributed. So they have people working all over. So what I tend to do is I tend to look at companies like Automatic and the people who work at Automatic and think, okay, they're doing something really big. How do I take, how do I take inspiration from them and make it work for what I'm doing? Um, and so I think that that's always a good, a good starting point too. No, I, I love, yeah, I love the synchronistic communication. And in general, I just think people need to learn how to communicate better. And there, unless you took a public speaking class, that's the only, about the only and, and English class also, that probably helps a little bit. But the way that we communicate is, not only is it broken, but now it's because of becoming fragmented into all these million different pieces because I got a message on, I didn't even know you could inst- has, send a message on Instagram. And I was like, Really? Is this how someone's trying to get a hold of me right now? Or I don't have a, I have a U.S. cell right now, but, uh, you know, it's not on when I'm, when I'm abroad. And, you know, there are a few ways that people who, uh, who I, who I, well, who really want to get in contact me, with me, they can really get in contact with me. But the way that we communicate is, is broken. I just saw it. Uh, graduation speech from the director of the FBI, and he basically said, okay, all you kids who studied all this theoretical stuff and this nonsense that you learned, that you memorized out of books to get high grades, and we're going to pat you on the back as you go across this stage, what they didn't teach you was how to communicate. What they didn't teach you is how to articulate what you want to say to some to some to another human being what you know having your nose in a book all day is great but that's not the part of the that that's only one part of your brain um right. and we had uh, tim sanders on as a bonus episode it's somewhere around the sixth episode that we had and he was a top guy at yahoo 
and he sent out what he called the clear method, and it was exactly on how to reduce the amount of emails and to schedule appropriately and to reduce the back and forth, which there's a lot of now apps and things like Asana and uh, Zapier and all this that can reduce all of that communication. Right. And, you know, a thing that I just think that really we, we don't pride ourselves enough on thinking about the person we're trying to communicate. Um, it, how often are you working on something and you're in flow and you forgot to, you know, you forgot to make your gchat dot red, but you're signed into your email and you're getting an IM of a question from someone who's trying to complete something that's a priority to them. Um, it, it automatically kind of even subconsciously or consciously, whichever, whichever happens, um, it creates a little bit of an ill will because you're trying to get something done. Um, I'm big on achieving flow states and unreasonably, like you don't always close out your email or your Skype or whatever it might be. We've got a millions of millions of different things we're signed into. And then someone's coming in, like barging through your door uh, with their priorities. So I think that we all need to take a step back and say, okay, even though we're all online um, all the time, how do we remember common etiquette? <laughs> how do we remember that there is a virtual door that we should knock on and not just barge through? I, I, I totally agree. And oftentimes I forget that, you know, being the boss is uh, something's not working on my computer and somebody can help me fix this right now. Right. And that's no, I have to often take a deep breath and say, all right, dude, figure this out on yourself because even calling Jared, your co-founder is really going to interrupt whatever he's doing right now, and that's not fair. And, you know, I need to take full personal responsibility for whatever it is. And if something's broken in the business, in this workflow, if I found a bottleneck, that's great. Identify that and how do then we create a system to be able to fix that. Right. Yeah. No, I... Um, I like your your mode of thinking here, Liz. I uh, I really appreciate this. This is this is really good stuff. Yeah, no, I I love talking systems, and I love talk. So it's funny the two topics before humanizing and systems. <laughs> it's it's a perfect combination, an interesting combination. No, a hundred percent, and just simple things. I can't tarp on this enough, but keeping your phone on airplane mode, sometimes not going uh, going without your phone or turning off your G-chat or it's very difficult, I don't have Facebook chat on or <laughs> disconnecting all of you, going to your settings in your iPhone and disabling all push messages. And then it actually, doing this actually trains the people who are trying to get in contact with you it trains them to find a better path, a more direct route of communication with you, or else you're just going to be unresponsive. Yeah, of course I didn't write back to your Facebook message. This is official business. Inbox me. I look at that stuff. Yep, exactly. I love it, Liz. I love it. All right, so if you're sitting at home and you're saying, you know, I want to create freedom for myself. I want to think about my values and do something a little bit more meaningful with my life. 
and also increase your productivity and performance on a day-to-day -day basis regardless of what it is that you do uh, between the hours of nine and five, what can you tell people? What's, what is your advice? My number one advice is always just to learn a method of saying no and get started on what your vision is today. I like it, Liz, clear and succinct. How else can people learn about you and uh, get more value from what you're doing? So everyone can go to workingremote.ly. That's where I'm constantly talking about running a distributed team, building a distributed team, and working remotely in general. And um, the consultancy is at pursuitof.com, um, building a little bit of a different consultancy without uh, too many employees, but a lot of freelancers. So for people who are looking to, to do their own thing, it's a great way to kind of get involved in some projects on the side. Awesome, Liz. Well, hey, thanks for sharing all of this with us. And this is inspiration uh, to go and get organized for everybody. Yeah, thanks for having me. Hey, did you enjoy today's episode? If you did, I have a quick favor for you to ask. We are trying to spread the live different mentality, the mission right now, so other people can take advantage of all the stuff that you just got to hear about. If you could go to iTunes, and leave a review and a rating. This will help us get on the iTunes new and noteworthy list. And that way, a bunch more people can hear about what we do over here at the Live Different Podcast. So I really appreciate it. If you want to share it, please do. Give it to a friend in need. That is what we want to do. And uh, keep doing good stuff. I appreciate it. Thanks.